Good morning, UBC. Good to see you. Let's pray together as we get into God's word and pray for his blessing on our time together. Father, as we come <clears throat> this morning, what a celebration to sing songs of atoning work that your son Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. What celebration to just see baptisms that picture the beauty of being raised to newness of life in Christ. We celebrate this morning the finished work of Jesus. We praise you, Lord, that we have been raised from death to life and made new creations in Christ. And now, God, as we get into your word, I pray there be clarity for us to see what you're calling us to, and Lord, that we would take joy in you, the God of our salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you have Bibles, we're going to 2 Timothy 2 this morning, 2 Timothy 2, continuing in our Multiply series here as a church this month. So we've discussed so far in this series, multiplying the gospel in evangelism, and then multiplying disciples, last week we heard about those things, and then today thinking through multiplying leaders and next Sunday multiplying churches. So we've already been here this morning through baptism and song. Let's just for a moment stay here on this. Everything in our lives and the life of this church begins and continues and culminates in Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of a sovereign God who has created all things and sustains all things and who saw us in our sin and took initiative to send his son to live a perfect life on our behalf, to die for our sins, to be raised from the dead, to ascend to the Father, and someday he will return to glorify himself in salvation and judgment. Man, Jesus came and did this work on our behalf, and by faith in him, we can be saved from our sins. That's good news. So the reality is, we live now between the times of Christ's coming, death, resurrection, ascension. He'll return someday, so we're right here in the middle. And we're operating in this space where God is working to see disciples made of Jesus Christ and those disciples going to make more disciples of all nations around this world. That's where we are, that's where we exist, and so in that we think through today multiplying leaders in that mission of making disciples. And by the way, as we think through multiplying leaders, we're not just trying to think through, man, who could we hire from the outside to come in and lead in these various areas? No, we're thinking mainly about identifying equipping and launching those who are within our midst to lead in the ways that God would have them lead. That's what our church aims to do and to pursue. And in saying all that, I want to just say this, this simple truth. Place matters. Place matters. Like where you grew up, where you existed, we're, we're all a product of our upbringing and our, our raising in some place. I, I was raised, for example, in upstate New York, Rural farming community, about a half hour south of Syracuse. Uh, Christian family, small, like 75-person church that preached the gospel week to week. 
public school realities for me. So all, all that came together in a way that shaped who I was and who I became. And everyone here has their own stories about who they were, who they became, based on the place within which they existed. And the local church is a formative place. It's a place that's going to shape us. And here we say, we want people to become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ who know him and make him known. That's our heartbeat. We want to see people lead toward those ends. We want to see people come to faith in Jesus, connect in community, grow in their faith, learn about their faith, lead others to embrace their faith, and be launched into various kinds of ministry, leadership opportunities. That's the essence of who we are here at UBC, walking this pathway of discipleship. So my idea for this morning, I want to say to us that we're clear on is this. The local church is the place where members are identified, equipped, and launched into spiritual leadership. Local church is a place where members are identified, equipped, and launched as spiritual leaders or into spiritual leadership. So like previous weeks, we'll think through this in three segments. First of all, I want to say, well, what does it mean to multiply leaders? Secondly, why is it important to multiply leaders? And third, how will we apply this aspect of multiplying leaders in our local church specifically? And that last section there, Pastor Jason will give specifics on that reality for us today. So before I read the main text, 2 Timothy 2, let me give some context here. First, Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, has a pattern of ministry. I want us to be aware of this. So Acts 14, verse 21, gives this pattern. It says this, when they preached the gospel to that city and it made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. If you read and study those verses, you see a pattern there. They preach the gospel, they disciple believers, they appoint elders for leadership, and that's all with the hopes they would do it again in a new church plant somewhere else. That kind of sounds like our series this month. We're trying to follow that pattern as a church faithfully as God would have us. Now, in terms of Paul and Timothy, Timothy is a spiritual son to Paul. Paul meets Timothy in Acts 16, likely leads Timothy to the Lord, uh, mentors him, disciples him. They do ministry together. Then he launches Timothy into leadership in a church in a place called Ephesus. And it's there Paul writes this letter to Timothy and says these words in 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. Says this, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. 
since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So according to this text here, what does it mean to multiply leaders here at UBC? Well, first you see in verse 1, to multiply leaders, we need to look for people who are reliant on God's grace. Multiplying leaders starts with identifying people, and we all should be, who are reliant on God's grace. Verse 1, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The Christian life, friends, begins with grace, continues by grace, and ends with grace. God's grace is God's goodness extended to us, even though it's not deserved. You are saved by grace. We live by grace. If we think at various moments, oh man, in terms of the kind of character that God calls me to, maybe you read the qualifications of an elder in 1 Timothy 3, and you say, that's daunting, the kind of character there. Yes, grace is needed. We must be strengthened by God's grace. Or a deacon's qualifications. That's daunting. Reading that in 1 Timothy 3, yes, we need God's grace. Or, I'm just a Christian. I'm just called to like do the fruit of the Spirit thing. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's daunting in itself. Yeah, we need God's grace to be strengthened by God's grace. Or you may say, man, to minister as a Christian, being a disciple maker, or minister as a deacon, or to minister as an elder, that sounds like it's beyond me. Newsflash, it is. Here's good news. Grace meets you there. That's the good news. God knows we're weak, we're needy. He knows that about us better than we do a lot of times. And as we say, oh God, help me. Like one of my most frequent prayers, friends, God, help. <laughs> so frequent. And in various moments of life where character is called for, where ministry is called for, we always are in need of God's grace, and God supplies his grace. Think about this. In Titus 2, every Christian is called to this kind of ministry. Verse 1 says this, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what's good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Can, can you think of a person in your life who invested in you, who helped you in your own spiritual growth? Maybe a teacher or a coach, maybe a parent or a grandparent or a pastor or some church member. For me, one of those men in my life was at a camp that I worked at. His name was Dave. 
And this guy was just a faithful staff guy at that camp, and he served the Lord, and I watched him, and I listened to him. I saw how he loved his wife and his kids, and I watched him work hard, and I learned from him, and he encouraged me, and he rebuked me sometimes. I mean, he was so pivotal in my life in that moment. And it wasn't as though he was saying, I'm a super Christian, follow me. He was the guy who was saying, like, I'm just a guy in need of God's grace, seeking to follow Jesus, and as far as you see that, see that, follow that, look to that as well. That's what we're called to as well. We're not super Christians. We're called to be faithful and say, oh God, grant your grace that I would help multiply disciples in the gospel well to lead in that way. So we're called to be disciples, wholehearted followers of Jesus, who know him and make him known to work that in the lives of others. We're called to be growing as disciples, maturing as disciples, and leading others toward maturity and ministry as well. That's the call on our lives. And that's going to require grace. So one author and preacher I heard years and years ago gave an acronym that's been helpful to me. You want to jot this down maybe if you want to. But the acronym is APTAT, A-P-T-A-T. It's a helpful thing. So the A for APTAT, A is admit my helplessness. So John 15, 5 tells us, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Do we genuinely believe that? Because I live a lot of my life in self-sufficiency. And God reminds me, hey, don't forget, apart from me, you're doing nothing. So admit you're helpless. P, pray. Pray to the Lord. I need your help in this matter. T, trust in God's promises. Admit you're helpless. Pray. Trust in God's promises that he gives in his word. Then another A there, act or do the thing God's calling you to do. And as you do that thing and God grants grace to do it in the right way with the right motives, T, thank him. Just a way to posture our hearts to say, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. That's the call. So we start there with God's grace in verse 1. Secondly, what does it mean to multi-leaders? It means we raise people up through discipleship so they can disciple others. We raise people up through discipleship so they can disciple others. Verse two, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Really well-known verse, right? Very well-known. It demonstrates Christianity is a multiplying reality. We take initiative to show truth to others so they can learn and grow and do and lead. So we're just constantly getting this out to help this multiply out toward others. And man, I I get this. I teach for a living. I love teaching. I love learning new concepts and saying, hey, learn this concept. I do it in the classroom. I do it a lot at home as well. I'm one of those guys where I I just have this insatiable desire to get things to people even at times when it has nothing to do with the conversation at hand, right? So there's times we're at home, around the table, having a meal, and the conversation's in a certain area of, of life. And I just want to say something I'm, I'm learning about. I'm like, hey, that reminds me of, 
and I'll, I'll like say this concept that I'm, I'm learning about, and my kids especially, like, I had nothing to do with what we were talking about. How that remind you of, like, I don't know, it just did. So I want to just say this stuff and get it out there, you know? So I'm passionate to learn and grow and think and have others do the same thing. And man, in the Christian life, we're constantly reading the Bible and learning and knowing God. So we want to make him known. want to make him known in these ways. So we disciple disciples who make disciples. <laughs> That's verse 2, what it says. We disciple disciples who make disciples. That's the call on our lives. Discipling disciple makers. That's the main job of our pastors. In Ephesians 4, they equip the saints for the work of ministry. We just saw in Titus 2, older men disciple younger men. Older women disciple younger women. So they can disciple others as well. It's this ongoing perpetual work that never ends, by the way, because we're constantly seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And they need to be discipled and on and on it goes. So discipleship involves helping others find and follow Jesus. That's discipleship. Leadership involves taking initiative to influence God's people onto God's purposes by God's power. And then there's a relationship there we're trying to say, take initiative in your life to help people find and follow Jesus, to lead them toward God's purposes in their lives. We should be constantly striving for growth and godliness and helping others toward the same end, multiplying the gospel and disciples and leaders. So some questions to consider today. Who are we investing in to help them faithfully follow Jesus? What, what names can you name off right now that you're investing in those people to faithfully follow Jesus? In what ways can we take initiative to establish godly influence in someone's life? What step could we take? What ministry could we serve in or lead in here at UBC? How am I pursuing growth in my own godliness to get equipped so I can help others grow? How might God want to use me in some ministry study or someone's life this week? How might God want to use me in even the efforts of church multiplication? More on that next week. Because here's the thing. We want this entire church to recognize every one of us has a role to play when it comes to leading others. Every man and woman here has a chance to invest in someone or a few people or even to lead a ministry in this church. You have that opportunity to do those things. Some, I'll just say this as well, maybe some middle school-aged young men, some high school-aged young men, some men beyond that category as well are saying, man, I'm sensing an aspiration to vocational pastoral ministry. And I want to say to you, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.1, that would be a noble task that you would desire. And we would love as a church to come alongside of you and say, we would love to see you identified and equipped and launched into that kind of ministry as well. Some of you in this room next week will hear about church planting and say, I wonder if God's pushing me in that kind of direction, if I could help lead toward that end as well. We'll talk more about that as well next week. So that's also 
what it means to multiply leaders. We rely on God's grace. We disciple disciple makers. And third here, we ready ourselves and others to be living sacrifices. What would it mean to multiply leaders? Well, we ready ourselves and others to be living sacrifices. Verse three, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So three metaphors here, farmer, athlete, soldier. A particular commonality would be sacrifice. All three of those areas, they, they involve sacrifice. And maybe you have lived or do live in one of those realms literally, and you understand this much more than the rest of us do at times, but the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, they're intent and focused on their work. They're not distracted by lesser things. They focus in on the task at hand and are willing to sacrifice for the sake of their goal. Whether it's uh, to protect a nation, to win a competition, or to yield a harvest. They know their sacrifice could involve bodily labor, patience, setbacks, injuries, and maybe even their own lives. They see that and recognize that. They know that is the case, and they're willing to do it because they know the end goal is worth it. And as, as God's people, we seek to sacrifice and to give and to do all that God has called us to do because it says here, we do so for the one who enlisted us, our Lord Jesus Christ. This reminds us, friends, we are not our own. We were bought with a price, so we glorify God with our bodies. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices to the Lord day by day to say, here I am, Lord, how can I serve? How could I lead if you so led me in that direction? And man, leadership is such a popular concept in our day, isn't it? I mean, just so many books written about this topic, podcasts, TED Talks, all these things about leadership. But a Christian differentiation between how the world views leadership and how we view leadership should be that leadership means sacrifice. Leadership means service. Leadership means selflessness. It means being others-focused. It means being God-centered. Because we've got to ask, are we doing the leadership thing for our own egos, our own promotion, or to glorify God and help other people? Those are different things, friends, different things altogether. Even, even our Lord Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Yes, he came to serve Leading this church is not, again, about inflating our own egos. It's about sharing and showing Jesus and glorifying his name and showing how great and glorious he is. Now, I'm seeing nods. I'm seeing, yeah, I affirm that. It's good. Man, someone once said to me, like when we say leadership is about service and sacrifice. Everyone's glad to be a servant until you get treated like one. I thought, ooh, what? That's true. So I experienced that, I'm sure numerous times, but particularly two summers ago, I was a speaker at a camp, and the, this week of that camp, they were short-staffed, 
So my wife and I noticed the first meal we were there, they were trying to serve food to campers, but they did not have enough staff to do so. So we ate fast and jumped right into the line to help serve food to the campers. Well, it's interesting how we, we can do the right things with mixed motives, right? Because like, part of my motive was I want to serve like my Lord served. Part of my motive, I'm just being genuinely honest here, is, hey, man, I'm the camp speaker, and don't I look awesome right now by also serving you your food? I'm pretty awesome. That's part of my motivation. I'm just being honest. You all wouldn't do that, I guess, but I, I'm just saying that's part of my motivation. Like, just see me, notice I'm serving. Look at me. And it was hilarious because not long into that first meal, I mean, we had students who were just flat out rude and self-centered and bossy with their requests. And I'm telling you, this was a dangerous moment. Into my mind came a sentence that, praise God, did not come out of my mouth, which was this, do you know who I am? <laughs> if I had said it out loud, they could have been like, no, and I don't care, <laughs> right? Because why should they? Why should they? But I thought that, and the Spirit, I, I mean, the Spirit just said to me very immediately as I'm serving chicken tenders or whatever, they don't care. Neither should you. This is about Jesus, I thought. Understood. Got it. And I sought to serve for the right motives. So we, we can be about that and recognize, Lord, help us. We want to lead to serve, and we want to serve with the right motives, right? That's our aim. It's our hope and our goal. So let's think through the opportunities with humble, Christ-centered ambition in those ways. So just to ask, is our definition of, of leadership one of humble service and sacrifice or self-promotion? Is it about me or God and others. And friends, as we seek to serve and lead here, let's make it about King Jesus. Let's make it about others. That's our aim and our goal there. So that's what it means to multiply leaders from this text here. Now, briefly, why is it important to multiply leaders? Why is it important to multiply leaders? Well, first of all, the Great Commission tells us to go and make disciples, and that's going to require leadership. We were told last week, Matthew 28, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. That's going to require efforts of leadership to get that done by God's grace. In Beaver Creek, in Dayton, in Southwest Ohio, in Ohio, in the nation, in the nations. It's a daunting task, friends. There's a lot of people in the world that need Jesus. Just in our backyard, there are a lot of people that need Jesus. We want to lead toward those ends. We want to penetrate lostness with the gospel and see people gloriously saved by the good news of Jesus. We want that in this place. And so with that, we say, well, if that's the case, I want to learn. I want to be equipped. I want to be launched into leadership as I can do by God's grace. And secondly, like the why here, leaders are used by God to take uh, people onto God's purposes. So leaders are used by God to take people onto God's purposes. We identify, equip, and launch leaders. And so part of our task is to think through how do we do that well? Who are those people? 
And we want to think through again and again, okay, identify, equip, launch. Identify, equip, launch. For the sake of the nations knowing Jesus, the Great Commission, we do this work. This is the air we breathe at this church. We want to help people become wholehearted followers of Jesus who know him and make him known here, a bit beyond regionally, and who knows where around this world. That's our aim. That's going to require leaders to step up and do what God is calling them to do. So the local church is the place where members are identified, equipped, and launched as spiritual leaders. So I'll say this. Let's help one another to be content to serve in the place God has us. God has you in a place right now. Let's be content to serve Let's rejoice with those who rejoice that may be serving ways that you want to serve or lead in. Rejoice with them. Serve faithfully as God's called you right now to serve. Let's trust God's timing. Let's get equipped. Let's lead in the ways that God has called you today. And while we're doing all that, let's look for opportunities to grow. Let's always love others around us. Let's always be discipling. Let's put the spotlight on King Jesus. That's the call of our leadership culture here in this church. So what does it mean to do this? Why do we do this? I'm trying to answer those questions from this text here. And finally, how can our church be involved in doing these things? Specifically, how can we be engaged in the making of leaders to lead toward great commission ends for the glory of God in this place. I want to ask Pastor Jason to come and share some specifics for us here on that very question. Church family, can we thank Jeremy for bringing God's word to us this morning? <laughs> Appreciate Jeremy very much. And um, I have, I guess we came into friendship with each other maybe about six or seven years ago. And um, I have been listening and learning from him since then, and I am very grateful for the way that he opens up God's Word and helps us uh, know it, believe it, trust it, follow it. So thank you for doing that again today. I love how he said that the local church is the place, right, where we are to identify, equip, and launch leaders. And that's really what we want to be about in this local church, right? We want to be a place where leaders, we're constantly identifying them, equipping them and then launching them out towards the purposes that God has called them to be about. So I keep using the word them, but it's really like an us, right? It's not like some other people out there somewhere. We are this local church. And so as we think about our, church, our local church, identifying people among us, uh, some of us are going to be the ones that are equipped and eventually launched into the ministries that God is calling, uh, calling us to lead. And so I want to just talk quickly about three specific areas in which we want to start applying this idea of identifying, equipping, launching within the context of our local church. The first thing I wanted to talk about is staff and volunteers. Um, you know, our church right now is, is so blessed to see so many people involved in serving in ministry. Uh, it's part of the culture of UBC. I love it here that um, to be a UBC person, if you call UBC home, one of the things that kind of just comes out over time is that means that you serve somewhere, that you're involved in ministry. So many of you volunteer and serve faithfully in our church, and I'm so grateful for you. Um, our staff understands that part of our responsibility as staff is to do what 
uh, Ephesians 4 talks about, that Scott Dixon emphasized last week, that Jeremy mentioned today, where Ephesians 4 talks about the works of church leaders is to equip the saints for the works of ministry. And so our staff has really had to start to grasp the fact that as our church grows and more people are being reached, um, our ministry uh, as staff members, paid staff members, becomes um, a little bit of a, a shift from kind of being hands-on doers in ministry to becoming more of equippers of the church to do the works of ministry. And that's a little bit of a mentality shift. Our doing, so to speak, is uh, the work of equipping. And so as you're going to see over the next couple years in our church, as we continue to uh, kind of identify volunteers in our church, some volunteers are going to start to be trained to not just be volunteers, but to be team-leading volunteers and to be uh, organizers and coordinators and equippers of groups of volunteers. And so that's going to be a little bit of a shift that you're going to start to see within our church. Um, over the next two years, you may be one of those people who's asked to start serving and getting involved. We want to identify and then equip you for service. Some of you um, need to take that step of starting to take, you know, serve in the local church. So many of you are. Some of you haven't done that yet. Some of you are going to be asked to do that. Others of you have been serving in the local church for a while, and the Lord has obviously gifted you. Sometimes we doubt our calling. Sometimes we doubt our giftedness. We doubt our own abilities. And yet the Lord has given us these experiences over time where sometimes even though we know our own self-insufficiency, like we feel this insufficiency, some of us have to understand that Christ is sufficient. And if he calls us to lead and start to uh, take more of a kind of an organizing or leading or training uh, role within our church, um, God, if he calls you to that, he will equip you for it. He is sufficient to provide all that you need for that role. And so some of you are going to start to feel that nudge in your heart after years of service in the church volunteering, now you may be called to step into a leadership role. And our staff over the next couple of years is going to be looking for people to invest in and equip as ministry leaders. Um, so maybe some of you are starting to feel that right now. Maybe some of you are like, okay, I am, I'm serving, but I see some areas where maybe I can use my gifts to serve in new and fresh ways. Or maybe there are um, holes in our ministry right now that need to be kind of filled and or problems that need to be solved, challenges that need to be overcome. And some of you have that creative kind of solution-minded, um, you're, you're an action-oriented thinker, and so you're passionate about helping improve or solve a problem. That's an identifier that the Lord is starting to give you kind of a passion area to start thinking about getting involved in. So if that's you and you're starting to feel those things, I just want to share with you, ask you to share that with whoever is leading the ministry that you're involved in. Uh, we want to start investing in those where the Lord is already nudging their hearts to get involved. And so that's a little bit of a kind of a mentality shift between our staff and volunteers. Not, we're not just going to be looking to fill holes with volunteer members. We are going to start looking for training uh, leaders, right? We're going to looking to train leaders in our ministries. So that's a little bit of a thing there. Now, um, Scott Dixon mentioned last Sunday that we are going to be over the next year or so developing something called a discipleship pathway. And if you can imagine somebody going from that new believer, really somebody who's a seeker, who comes to faith in Christ, then they grow as a, a follower of Christ, and eventually they have a sense of calling and they know uh, where the Lord is calling them to serve and eventually to lead. We want to have a pathway and a track that helps people um, really be intentionally trained and equipped along the way. Now, some of you uh, are going to be nudged in your heart to say, okay, I, uh, I, I, would value, I would value having an internship or a residency 
uh, during which I could grow. And part of that discipleship pathway is going to involve internships and residency opportunities. Internships, right, are maybe a little bit more short-term approach for people who are looking to gain some experience and a little bit of learning in what it looks like to serve in leadership in a local church setting. We want to develop short-term opportunities that are there for interns to do that. Some of you, though, have maybe already got a little bit more of a sense of direct calling, a precise ministry area where the Lord is calling you, and now you're not just looking to learn about that or gain some introductory experience. You're looking for a deeper level of training, a deeper level of experience, and so residency is a longer-term thing that we're going to be developing, a one- or two-year program for people to, who have a, very, you know, a much more clear sense of calling to come and get ministry experience longer-term in the local church. And so part of what Jeremy Kimball's going to do is he's here on staff with us part-time, and part of his role as our director of leadership development is to develop our internship and residency programs. And I'm so glad that the Lord has gifted him and brought him here to do that in and among our church. I think we will greatly benefit from that. Guys, by God's grace, he has brought so many younger people into our church. And we want to be a church that makes disciples generationally, right? Where we are investing in the next generation to know the Lord and to serve him and make him known in the world. And so this is a little bit of our, our step towards investing in the younger generation to give internships and residency opportunities so that people will have a sense of God's calling and they will be equipped to go and serve the Lord faithfully uh, where he calls them. Um, I'm excited to see that develop over the next couple of years. And so here's my next step for you. If an internship or a residency sounds interesting to you, maybe you have a little nudge in your heart to say, I'd like to learn more about that, talk to Jeremy. This is going to be your go-to guy. Talk to him. He is going to be able to help you take the next steps towards that. And I'm excited to see who the Lord brings that way. Um, the third thing that I wanted to mention as far as raising up and multiplying leaders is through our elders and deacons here in the church. Um, as I mentioned last Sunday, the scripture lays out two offices uh, within the local church for service. Those two offices are the office of deacon and elder. Um, deacons serve really to practically care for the practical needs of the church and make sure people aren't overlooked, but make sure people are cared for. Elders provide the spiritual oversight, the doctrinal guarding, um, really the pastoral leadership within the church. And we uh, want to take these next two years to get more involved in training and developing and launching um, new elders and new deacons into service within the local church. I am uh, really excited about that on a personal level. I was telling Rachel several months ago that uh, I feel personally burdened to start investing my life into the young men in this church uh, or even older men in our church who have a sense that the Lord is calling them into future pastoral ministry. I'm excited to start investing into them. My wife is excited to start coming alongside their wives and helping them learn what does it mean to be the, a wife alongside a pastor or an elder in ministry. So we're excited to see how these things are going to shake out. On a very practical level and a more immediate level, like I mentioned last Sunday, we are in the season of life in our church where we have to uh, discern by God's grace who he has called and qualified to be serving as the next round of elders and deacons within our church. And so I want to just talk for a moment about what that looks like for us right now. What does this process look like of recognizing uh, those who God has called and qualified as elders and deacons within our church? Four steps within this, um, within this elder and deacon recognition process that I want to just make sure that you understand. Our four steps right now are nominating, vetting, voting, and installing. Right? That's our four-step process that we walk through 
when it comes to recognizing elders and deacons. So we are in the nominating step right now. When this service is over today, those of you who are official members of our church, you're going to get an email with a form that you can fill out today that allows you to nominate um, men in our church that you believe are called and qualified to serve as elders or deacons within our church. So as you are making those nominations, you can start to do that today. Uh, They need to be submitted by uh, midnight of next Sunday, January 28th. As you are thinking those through, don't just nominate your buddies. Don't just nominate the, the people you think are nice or even kind of gifted or charismatic leaders. We are looking for people who meet those qualifications of elders and deacons that the scripture gives us in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 5. So before you make your nominations, I want to ask you to familiarize yourself with those passages. Think about the men who are on the nominating list and nominate those that you believe are qualified for that role. Um, After that's done, we'll go through the process of vetting, right? That's our second step. Our vetting process is usually about a four or five month process where it's it's a a series of meetings, a a series of interviews, theological questionnaires that have to get filled out and evaluated. Uh, it's a long process of meeting people's spouses or, or really going deeper into conversation with people's spouses and about their family life and their, uh, what's going on in their homes. So those types of things take time. So you know, between now and essentially May, we are going to be in the vetting process. Eventually, we will step into the voting process where in May, our church leaders will bring a list of deacon and elder candidates to the church and at our May members meeting uh, you'll be presented with that list and then eventually in our June members meeting we will vote on uh, whether or not we want to identify and recognize uh, the men who have been nominated. So we give the church that month between May and June to prayerfully consider, raise any concerns to leadership uh, about um, any of the, the lifestyle or the character of any men who are on that nominating list And so that will all be, or that are all on that candidate list. And so that will be the process that goes on between now and June. So I wanted to just kind of make sure that you all understand that that process is intentional. It's thorough. It's careful. We take our time with it on purpose. And I hope that if you are a member of our church, I hope that you will receive this as an opportunity for you to be involved as a member in a meaningful way by making those nominations, being involved prayerfully in the process, Um, please, if you will, check your email, fill out that survey, and submit it by next Sunday, January 28th. I'm excited to see who the Lord's going to raise up. I get excited about this every single year, and I am grateful that every year the Lord continues to call and qualify men to serve in these roles in our church. Just kind of as an example, uh, two guys that I'm very grateful for, an example of multiplying leaders within our church. I want to invite Jesse and Jeremiah to make their way up here. Um, Jesse Jackson, uh, we call him the Rev, right? Isn't that good? The Rev, Jesse Jackson. Jesse has served as the chairman of our deacons for uh, several years now. Um, He has finished his term as the chairman of our deacons. Jeremiah is with him. Jeremiah is going to be stepping in in June as the new chairman of our deacons. And I asked them to come up because I want you to see an example of two men within our local church where Jesse has invested time into Jeremiah saying, hey, we want you to step into this role Jesse is training him, guiding him, walking him alongside, walking alongside him so that Jeremiah kind of has some training and equipping before he steps into that important role of deacon chairmanship. So we just wanted to kind of give you guys an example. This is kind of what practical, real-life training looks like. Two real guys 
who don't get paid by the church to step into these important leadership roles within our church. I am very, very grateful for both of them. And I wanted to ask Jeremiah during this service to pray for our church as we start to take these steps, these next two years, into becoming more and more serious about multiplying leaders. Uh, and specifically right now, the process of uh, all of us going through this nominating, vetting, evaluating and eventually uh, recognizing the deacons and elders that God has called and qualified. So, Jerry, if you would just lead us in prayer for that, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Let's pray. <clears throat> thank you, Father. Thank you for the opportunity to be used by you. Father, we thank you that you are sovereign, and we know that you're raising up future leaders here to meet the needs, the future needs of UBC. We praise you because you've been faithful You've met the needs of UBC uh, in the past, in the present, and you will in the future, and we're just thankful for that. Father, I pray that we would grow our church in the gift of multiplying leaders, volunteer leaders, interns, residents, deacons, and elders. Father, we just pray that you would provide. Father, I pray for men of character over competency. I, I, please grow the love for your church in our hearts. I pray for leaders who are aware of the needs of others around them. And I lastly pray for men that are identified by our members as biblically qualified deacons or elders, that you would prevent any fears and posture syndromes, Father, and replace it with a joy and excitement to be used in whatever way you call us to serve your body. And as always, Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat>